Hello, everybody. How's it going? Throughout the scripture, Jesus says, love yourself as your neighbor. So who is your neighbor? Webster defines your neighbor as somebody that stays right next door to you. But let's see who really is your neighbor. You got it. So thank you guys again for joining us. Um, everybody who's bared with us uh, throughout this process or even new, new people who are joining us for the first time. Uh, this is joy in the midst of the storm, what we're calling it. And it's basically a wake-up call. It's God's call to all of his children out there for us to reach higher heights and new depths in his word. Um, just becoming more knowledgeable about him. That's what this program is aimed for. So we definitely want to invite you to keep listening in with us and and interact with us, please, by all means, ask questions. If you feel like there was something that wasn't actually clear, please feel free to just say, hey, where did you see that at? Or can you go deeper into this? Uh, because we definitely welcome questions. I love questions. I love when people have a sincere heart about God um, and they genuinely want to know. Now, <laughs> when people are just trying to be uh, antagonizing. I won't really get too too deep into that. But anyways, as Melvin mentioned, uh, today we wanted to talk about loving thy neighbor. Um, pretty common, well-known uh, for any Bible scholars at least, uh, the story of Jesus telling the lawyer about his neighbor. So we wanted to kind of discuss that today because I know me personally, I notice it so much how we don't have love for our neighbor. Even though we say we love God, we still won't do the things that Jesus told us to do. So we want to pull your attention, um, if you will, if you will look with us today at some scripture in Luke, the 10th chapter. And we will start at verse 25. I'm going to try not to be so long-winded as I usually am. <laughs> We're going to look at Luke, the 10th chapter. But, but I love God. I really do. Um, I love doing this. It brings me so much peace and joy uh, that I just want to share it with everyone else out there. Um, so if you will, Luke, the 10th chapter, and we'll start at verse 25. Luke 10 and verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this man, he wanted to do nothing but antagonize Jesus. It says, a certain lawyer. Now, <laughs> the lawyer is no different than today. We've become so smart. I mean, let a person go to school and get a degree. My God. <laughs> not everybody, obviously, not everybody. But you have a lot of people that become educated, they learn a few things, and now they just <laughs> feel higher than everyone else around them. So this lawyer, he tempts Jesus. This man wasn't serious about trying to gain eternal life. He just wanted to debate and argue with Jesus. I run into the same thing. I have people wanting to do the same thing. They say... Uh, certain comments just wanting to basically see how you will respond so 
what better person to, than to see his response than Jesus? So this man says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? All right, Melvin. He said unto him, what is, what is written in the law? Jesus here. So the lawyer asked, what should he do for eternal life? Jesus said, look, tell me what's in the law. See, Jesus, Jesus knows this man already knows some things. He said, you tell me what's in the law. How does it read? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, now, go ahead, Mel. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. He said, You already know. So the man quotes uh, Old Testament. He quotes the law of Moses. This is what God told Moses to tell the children of Israel. So this man was an, an Israelite. So <clears throat> he says, Love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus said, Look, you, you already got it right. Go ahead and do it, and you will live. Now, notice, the man's already alive. He's talking about eternal life. He said, do this, and you will live. You will have eternal life. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, the man is trying to get smart. <laughs> he wanted to justify himself. The man's trying to get smart. All right, so Jesus, tell me who my neighbor is then. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So Jesus begins to tell us this parable of how a Jewish man, he went down to Jericho and thieves, they caught the man. Same, ain't no difference today. A thief, now I don't know if this was at nighttime, but that's usually when the thieves come out to get you at nighttime or in a dark alley, wherever it is, a secluded place. So, anyways, thieves have caught this man, beat the man, took everything he had, even took his clothing off, stripped him of his raiment, the Bible says. And so they left him half dead. So, all right. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Good God Almighty. You have the preacher. The preacher here sees this man on the side of the road. That's a priest. We see in the news, um, I was talking to a guy at my job today. He was talking about how priests were getting in trouble for... Uh, sexually assaulting kids and so we see here the priest the priest they, they didn't just start doing stuff the priest seen this man half dead and passed by on the other side he didn't want nothing to do with this but these are the people that say we have love for one another and likewise a Levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, we see the same thing again. How many times is this man going to be passed by? How many times are they going to watch this man die out here? But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, this is what's interesting here. Jesus uses this parable of a Jew and a Samaritan. 
the Samaritan, now we, those of us who are familiar with this thus far, uh, know it's generally referred to as the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan was a person who had nothing to do with the Jews. If you recall, when Jesus went down to the well uh, to draw water, he seen a Samaritan down there. Jesus being a Jew, the Samaritan told him, we don't have any dealings to do with each other. So what are you doing talking to me? What are you doing asking me for water? So she knew that Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. Samaritans were half Jews. So it's just, it's the same way as it was when it was <clears throat> more openly segregated in past times where whites and blacks had nothing to do with each other. And anybody out there that knows anything about this knows I tell the truth. So here, this Samaritan has compassion on him. So when we look at compassion, compassion, love, when we look at those things, we call it nothing but a word. When we think, oh, I'm having compassion, we just think that that's nothing but a feeling. But compassion or love is a word that describes an action. Now, notice what this Samaritan is going to do. Look at verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, he took care of this man. He, he, he put him up on his beast, probably a donkey or uh, a camel or some type of animal that they used to travel. So he put him on his animal, bandaged up his wounds, and took him to the inn. The inn was nothing but a hospital. If you, uh, if you think about when Jesus was about to be born, Mary and Joseph went and knocked on the door to the inn. The host came out and said, there is no room here. We can't, we can't house y'all. It was nothing but the hospital. It was nothing but a place where you could go and get some type of medical attention. And so this man picked him up off the ground. Now, no doubt this man was a bloody mess because he had wounds. He fixed him up, put him on his beast, and then took him to a place where he can receive some type of attention. And so that is compassion. It did not tell us here that the Samaritan asked the man, hey, how, how this happened to you, man? Who did this? It does not say here that the Samaritan was wondering what uh, this Jew's track record was. He didn't come down there and ask him, well, I know you. I know you from around town. They said you've been robbing people all week. It, it did not tell us that this man felt he deserved that to happen. See, that's what happens when we find somebody in a situation where they need help. We say, oh, they deserved it. Uh, they, God wanted that to happen to them. God happy they hurt. That's how we think when someone, especially someone we know, have done wrong. We say, oh, they deserve it. I look at uh, even a recent thing that's going on today the whole R. Kelly uh, situation. And I I really feel bad for the guy. I've seen a lot of um, videos, uh, kind of like parodies, where people were 
making fun of him. And it's just a sad thing. I mean, obviously this man has an issue. And I'm not condoning his actions because I understand he definitely has a problem. Uh, it's not the first time this man has been caught messing with underage uh, girls. And so if we get to the point where we understand God, we will understand that this man has an issue that he cannot fix. Excuse me. He can't. It can be fixed if he were to turn his life over truly to God. But when we look at him, some people will say, oh, he's, he's getting what he deserved. People want to talk about you. People want to make fun of you. People want to drive your name in the dirt. Now, I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm no, by no means saying that. But when will we have compassion on people that need help? Us true Christians, when will we try to reach out to people like this and say, hey, man, I understand you're going through something. Let's try to find some help for you. We don't want you to keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is wrong. Let's try to get you out of this situation. Let's try to stop you from doing it. A true Christian, if you see someone struggling with some type of addiction, whether it's underage girls such as R. Kelly or whether it's somebody who's doing drugs and they can't, these people are addicted. These people choose these substances or whatever this pleasure may be, they choose that over eating. Now, you can't tell me that ain't sick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know people from my hometown. People have literally had various surgeries uh, because their liver has been failing, and they continue to drink. They continue to kill themselves. You cannot tell me these people aren't sick. You cannot tell me these people do not need God. See, we have fallen out of the place where we truly understand God. Because when people have these issues, we're not saying let's run to the church. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, <laughs> we're saying let's get him to this clinic. And they're going to get him clean. The, the person gets in the clinic they may get sober for a week or two, a month, however long, and they come right back out doing the same thing. Not to say none of those places have ever um, had any successful uh, stories, because there are definitely success stories there. But I'm saying God is eternal. God is forever. God wants to get people out of these situations. He didn't come to save uh, people already saved. He came to save those of us that are lost. Those of us that are going through issues like this, because believe it or not, everybody is facing some type of addiction, every single body, because that's what the human body is. It's addictive. It's addicted to so many things, whether it's TV, whether you want to Netflix and chill all day, whether you want to go to, uh, you want to sit around and play video games. It, it does not matter whether you want to drink all day, whether you want to smoke all day. The human body is so addictive, and that's our job as a good Samaritan, as a person who wants to be a Christian. It is our job to reach out, have compassion on these people, love them, and say, hey, I see you going through something. And if you are willing, let's help you. See, I, I watched uh, some of the documentary on the R. Kelly situation, and... 
I see, I clearly see the man has a problem. But what I looked at was all of the people around him continuing to aid the situation, continuing to help him hurt these little children. How can some, now, I, I don't know this to be true, but I've seen it so many times. The so-called Christian is doing these things. I've seen it so many times, talked to so many people. The so-called Christian is the one who allowing so many things that God is against to occur. Now, that, that, that's the so-called Christian, the person that says, I love God. They're the ones around watching these things, not, not trying to reach out to these people. But, but so anyway, let, let's get back to it. Um, 35. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now that's love. Now that's having compassion. Compassion and love is nothing but a word that describes an action. We've made these into nothing but words. We say, I love you, but <laughs> that love ain't never showed nothing or done anything for that person. We just use it as a language, as a talk. That's what we find when we go to Webster, when we go to the dictionary, it's nothing but a word. It's nothing but a feeling, but that feeling has never actually, it has not added any substance to it. It has not added any real meaning behind it because if you love someone, you will act like it. You will show it. We see that uh, with a mother and child. We can tell when a parent loves their child because they're doing stuff for them all the time. You don't even have to tell someone you love them. We can see it with the eyes. You'll see it. It's show and tell uh, in, the, in Acts, the first chapter. It says that all that Jesus began to both do and teach. He did stuff for people because that's love. He had love. Uh, even in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. God's love caused an action. Our love, our love don't cause nothing but a lip service, but a talk game. That's all our love is. But see, we see here this Samaritan it showed, he showed love to this Jew. Somebody who, if other Samaritans had been there, they would have said, man, can't you tell that's a Jew? We, you better not help him out. What's wrong with you? We don't do that. You better let him stay there. We are so sidetracked. We have gotten off with God. We have not yet done what he wants us to do. So that's what God has placed on my heart excuse me he's placed on my heart to get back to the place where we have fellowship with him to get back to the place where we actually show each other that we love each other so this Samaritan sees this man half dead he bandages bandages him up puts him on a beast takes him to the hospital and then he even went a step further he told the host look here is two pence right here. I'm going to pay you some now. Now, I have to go and tend to my own business. No doubt this man didn't have time to just stay there all day, every day. He had things he needed to do too. So he said, look, when I come back through, 
I want y'all to take care of this man. When I come back through anything else that I have not paid, I will pay you then. That's love. The love this man showed caused him to do something. He wasn't worried about how much it was going to cost when he got back. <laughs> this man was saying, well, I'm going to tell him I'm going to come back, but <laughs> I ain't coming. <laughs> That's what we would do. <laughs> It is, it is incredible when God gets us to the place where we actually show love to people. Not just talk love. When we show love to people. All right, Melvin. <clears throat> Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Now Jesus asked the lawyer who was tempting him this question. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Jesus, now the man got himself in trouble. He said, he that showed mercy. When are we going to show it? When are we going to show it? Jesus said, look, you answer right, go and do it. Go and do it. He didn't say go and tell them you love them. Now, ain't nothing wrong with telling them, but go and do it. Go and actually show love to these people. So we see here, the neighbor is not just the person that lives next door to you. <laughs> That's what I always thought that growing up. I always thought the man next door was my neighbor. I, I didn't think a person in another state was my neighbor. People look at you crazy. You say, oh, uh, a person in uh, Alaska, that's my neighbor. And I'm in Mississippi. People look, hey, this dude a fool. He is an idiot. But when you actually get to the place where you understand the language of God, then you will understand our neighbor is anybody you run across. Anybody you come into contact with is your neighbor. And look at the words of God. He says, love thy neighbor as thyself. We got a long way to go to come up to that. I know we do. Because I know I have a long way to go to come up with that. Love them as yourself. And then he came and said, look, love your enemies too. Bless them that curse. <laughs> so at what point will we do this? Now, I'm talking about the Christian. I'm talking about the one that wears the cross on their neck. I'm talking about the one that has the tattoo on their back saying, I'm a Christian. Tattoo on their chest saying, I'm a Christian. But when are we going to show mercy? When are we going to show compassion? When are we going to show love? I've seen so many times, I mean, I, I talk to people daily, and I just sit back and listen to what people say. I'm not going to sit here and try to call you out every time you say something off the wall, because I see what's in your heart, but more importantly, God sees what's in your heart. You have people who say they are Christians, but whenever someone has done something wrong, we say, oh, I hope they die. I hope they get run over by a car. I hope somebody beat them up. I hope they go to jail and get hung in prison. We see somebody We see somebody who was a murderer. They go to jail. They get killed in prison. We say, oh, that's good for them. Now, that ain't a loving heart. That's not showing compassion. I don't care what sins a person has done. That is not showing compassion. I don't care what it is. That is not the love of God. It's not the love of God. But it is still those that say, I'm a Christian, 
I have this love, but everybody we come across, we do not portray love to them. We hope they die. We hope they get killed. We hope some, their house burns down, all kind of stuff. I hope they get a flat tire. <laughs> That's hatred. That is hatred. I don't care what they have done to us. We still have a duty to love them. Now, obviously we have to work up to that level, but that's still what God is calling for us to do. So let's, let's uh, move over to 1 John chapter 3. And verse 17. Uh, let, let's start at. Let's let's start at 15, actually. First John chapter 3 and verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, how, how many times do we have to hear this before we accept it? We we show so much hatred as I was saying ago we say oh I hate them I can't stand them I hope something happened to them that's hatred now the word of God the scripture that we say uh, is God's word that we, we proclaim is God's word his word said if you hate your brother you are a murderer and one place said he that hate his brother without a cause and we have no reason to hate them because he said, love your enemy. So <laughs> you don't have a cause. They said, oh, I got a cause. <laughs> they hit my car, my new car. No, you don't have a cause because Jesus nailed all that to the cross. He died for all of our sins, all of our mistakes. So uh, go ahead, Mel. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, we know we ain't doing that. <laughs> we know we're not laying down our lives for our brethren, for our sister, for our brother, for our friend, for our neighbor. We I'm not even going to go into that because we ain't laying our life down. We can't even... <laughs> We can't even love our enemies, so how are we going to lay our life down for? I'm not even going to go into that. But but whoso hath this world's good, and seeing his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now there we go again, showing compassion. We see somebody have need of something, and we shut up our bowels of compassion. We say, no, nah, I'm not going to. Nah, I, I know they need this. And I know I got an excess amount of whatever this is, whether it be a shirt. I say, oh, they, they, man, they, all their shirts got holes in them. They, man, they, they definitely need a shirt. And I say, yeah, but I just, oh, that's a Mexican person. I, ain't, I, I can't give it to them. I, I'm just not a fan of Mexican. That's how we are as people. We are that way. We look at the outward appearance. I'm going to go there in a minute. We look at the outside. We don't look at people's heart. We see folks need stuff that we easily could give them. Easily. We say, nah, I'll sell it to you, though. <laughs> Shoot. I'll sell it to you. I mean, I just can't give it to you. Uh, I see you need this very bad, but I got to make some money. It's all about money, the love of money. So 
in here, John says, we see them have need, but we won't do for them. We won't give to them. How do you have the love of God in you? How? He asked, he asked this question. How? It's impossible. All right, Neil. Uh, 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Glory to God. This is one of my favorite, and, and I don't even know. <clears throat> Uh, I don't have a favor by any means, but I really love this verse. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Let's, let's get beyond saying I love you, I care about you as people. Let's move from that in love, in actions, and in telling them the truth. That's what we need to do for each other. That's true love. Doing for them. And telling them the truth. All that Jesus began to both do, that's the deed, and teach. And Jesus did nothing but teach the truth. Jesus showed us love. God loved the world. He gave Jesus. Jesus loved us. He gave his life for us. Now he's expecting us to carry that same uh, thing out. We say we're followers of Christ. When are we going to do what he did then? Not not wear the chain, not the tattoo. When are we going to do the deeds that he did? When are we going to do the actions that he did? If we call ourselves Christians, when are we going to stop saying, man, I wish something bad happened to you because I don't like you. Because you, you this color, you red, you yellow, <laughs> you purple, I don't like you. When I don't like the way your car looks. They got so much junk in their house. Like, we worried about all the wrong stuff. And we are not fulfilling the will of God all while thinking that we're saved. So, that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see uh, through the parable that we just read. And that's what John is trying to get us to see. He's teaching the same message that Jesus taught. We have to do for each other. That's true love. It's one thing to talk. I mean, talk is cheap, they say. Talk is easy. But now, when you begin to act on what you say, now that's when the struggle comes in. Yep. Oh, that's true. So, uh, I want to run to uh, 1 Samuel 16. And verse 7. Because this is something that we are so caught up on. And it's just how we are as people. But God is looking for us to snap out of that. We're caught up on looking at the outward appearance. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. Or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, God, excuse me, man looks at what's outside. People look at Tony and say, oh, Tony's tall. <laughs> People look at the outward appearance. God is not concerned with how tall Tony is. God is concerned with what's in Tony's heart. How does he care about others? 
Because that's the only way I can love God. Uh, how can you love God whom you have not seen, but love not your brother? <laughs> how can I say I love God, but I can't love men? How can I say I love God, but I can't love the Indian, the Mexican, the white man? How can I love God if I don't love anyone else in this world? If I say, oh, they they not from the United States, they from Japan, I, nah, I, I, we got to get rid of them. See, we say we love God, but we hate literally everyone else. I, I just, we need to get rid of all of that kind right there because they, they over here doing stuff that they just shouldn't be doing. So you not doing stuff you shouldn't be doing? <laughs> Do we need to get rid of you too? So we have to get to the place where we are not looking just at a physical appearance. You have people today say, uh, I'm not racist, but, that but. <laughs> <laughs> but I just won't let this type of person come into my house. I'm not racist, but I don't want this type of person to date my daughter, to date my son, that's looking on the outward appearance, not the heart. God wants there to be love in our hearts. And that that's what we're trying to do with Joy in the Midst of the Storm, is to promote the love of God, to wake us up to what God is asking for us to do. So when was the last time we looked at how somebody treats others and not how they look. Not not looking at, oh, their hair is nappy. Look at how they treat others. Not looking at, oh, they missing one of their front teeth. Look at how they treat others. Let's look at people's heart because I don't care what anybody says from dust you came and dust you're going back to. So you can be proud and say, well, I'm black and I'm proud. That's fine, brother. You're going back to the dirt. You can say, I'm white and I'm proud. I don't care. You're going to die. And then what are you going to be saying? You can say, uh, I'm an Indian. I'm, I'm red. I'm yellow. It does not matter. I'm blue. You're going to die, friend. You're going to have to answer to God. He's going to, he's not going, you're not going to stand up in front of God at judgment and say, well, God, I served my country well. I, I I hung this flag. God ain't concerned with no flag. I wore red T-shirts. I wore old Miss shirts. I was the uh, I was the bravest black man in the United States. God ain't concerned with that. God does not care because you're black. He's not care because you're white. God cares about our hearts. Did you love as a black man? Did you love as a white man? Did you love as any race in the world? That's what God is concerned with. And what's shown in our hearts, uh, excuse me, what is in our hearts will be shown. I want to get that. Uh, I need to find where it is right quick. Uh, there's a couple things I think I want to look at. Uh, let's look at, um, let's look at Mark. Seven, because there's actually it might be a couple of places. 
Mark 7 and I think 15, but let me double check. Uh, let's start at 14. Mark chapter 7 and verse 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Now, it is what comes out of a person that defiles him. What comes out of us is what's in our hearts. So he, they were talking about um, bread earlier, and he was trying to get them to see it's not what you put inside of your body that's going to defile you in God's eye. See, you have people today because they they don't know scripture, they error. People will still try to get you to see that, oh, you shouldn't, oh, you say you're a Christian, you shouldn't be eating meat. That's <laughs> because you have no understanding of God's word. Uh it's what comes out of you that gets you in trouble with God because what comes out of you is what's buried inside of your heart. If you hate people, it's going to come out. People can see the way you act. People can hear what you say. Let, let's go ahead and read down. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he, and when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Now they were confused about this, so they wanted to get some clarity. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, draught purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of, a, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, Wickedness, deceit, I always have trouble with this word, lasciviousness, mm -hmm. an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, that's what defiles a person. That what, that's what destroys us. That's what gets us into an evil place with God. What's in our hearts. But we're so concerned with, oh, look at how they look. Look at how they dress. Never about the person's heart. We're not, man. <laughs> I, I think sometimes people have the notion that in heaven it's going to be a white section back here. See, even even in churches you have separation. We're not together as people. We don't truly love each other. We're so separated. Even in church, well, they say the church is like can be the most divided place of them all. <laughs> Even in church, you have, uh, I, I just take the Baptist, for example, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody's religion, uh, but you have First Baptist, Second Baptist, what, what, First and Second? What? Missionary. <laughs> Missionary Baptist. You got so many different ones. What is the difference? Why can't we not all fellowship together? I've talked to some people, uh, and... You can tell people that uh, you're going to have a Bible study. You want to get together, look at some scriptures. And people will tell you, oh, I go with my church. Now, 
they could be doing absolutely nothing on this day. What is hindering you from coming and discussing God's word? Just because you go to uh, the non-denominational church or the Catholic church or whatever church, what is stopping you from at least discussing God's word with someone? I'm not saying you have to attend the other person's church, but people get offended if you even ask them to attend the other person's church. <laughs> but, but somehow we're going to all get to heaven I guess we're going to be divided up there, too. <laughs> I guess God got a corner over here for the Baptists, a corner over there for the Methodists, a corner down here for the Episcopalian, a corner over here for the Catholic. At what point are we going to just come together, friends, and love each other? That's all God wants. Not for us to be divided, not for us to hate each other, not for us to say, well, I don't like them because of their beliefs even if we disagree why can we not still be friends why can we not still love each other care for each other that's what God wants sure we've got differences but he wants us to still love each other that's it he's not asking us uh, one place he says my commandments are not grievous he's not asking us to do some extremely hard thing that cannot be done it can be done if we have his power, if we have his spirit, if we continue to seek his word, it can be done. But so, uh, that's, there was one other place, uh, but we really don't necessarily have to get it. Um, I'm sorry, give me one second. Let's, uh, let's, I just want to get 1 Corinthians 14 and 25. Because if we truly have love, it'll be made known. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 25. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. That's all I need right there. The secrets of his heart made manifest. To manifest something means to make it known. There are going to be no secrets in our heart because our actions will give it away people I've heard people say it all the time you can't see what's in somebody's heart yeah you can <laughs> yeah you can if you look and you can listen to what they say listen to what they do listen to the excuses they make oh, I would have did this for so and so but I just uh, I just I, I wasn't feeling well that day and then I well, what happened to the whole next week I just I uh, <laughs> you hear so many excuses what's in your heart will be made manifest Jesus just told us there's so many things uh, that comes out of a man murderers, envyings, lasciviousness uh, adultery, fornication those things are seen those things are made manifest People talk on it. People act on it. You can see. You you can see what's in somebody's heart. So people oftentimes <laughs> you hear people say it all the time. God know my heart, friend. I know your heart too. I'm looking at what you're doing. I know your heart. <laughs> I'm not blind. <laughs> I can hear what you say. 
I can see what you do on a daily basis. So let's stop deceiving ourselves and let's live up to what God is asking for us to do. See, we've been told so many lies. It's a sad thing. Uh, one in one place, Jesus told. I think he was talking to sad. He was talking to the Sadducees. Um, they came to him and asked him about uh, the resurrection. Now these people don't even believe in a resurrection, but they came to Jesus asking him, asking him about the resurrection. So I'm gonna skip what happened there. But he said, "Ye do error, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God." We don't. We don't know no scriptures. And we definitely don't know the power of God because we have been deceived so much. People tell you, oh, you ain't got to do nothing. You already good with God. That ain't what God said. That's not what he said. He is pleading with us day in and day out to fix our hearts, to work on our hearts day in and day out. Uh, I can't remember, I think it was David, I can't quite remember, but he, in the Old Testament, he said, uh, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. I, I think I want to get that. I it's need Psalms, eh? Yeah, I think it is. Tench up, dude. I, I want to find that because that, that is what we need so that we can love each other. Somewhere in the Psalms. Psalms 51 and 10. Verse 10, okay. Let, let's start. Let's start at verse uh, 8. We'll just read down. We got a few more minutes here. Let, let's read down. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now this man is honest. He said, create in me a clean heart. We need God to work on us to change our heart, because I don't care how nice a person is, I don't care what a person says, Look at uh, uh, somebody, one of the people called Jesus. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, there is none good. Now, that sells it right there. I don't care if you say, oh, this was a, now you people go to folks' funeral line. Oh, he was a good man. He ain't never did nothing wrong. Line. Jesus said, there is none good but one, and that's God. Now, that's Jesus. Now, you can argue with Jesus. <laughs> don't argue with Tony. Jesus said there is none good, no, not one, nobody but God. So we all need, and I said that to say we all need God to create in us a clean heart. We need him to work on our heart because there are things that we do that God does not approve of. We need, all of us, every single one of us need God to work on our hearts. And if we cannot admit that, that does not say much about us as Christians. If we cannot say, man, there's some stuff I need to work on. If we cannot admit that, then what does that say about us? So he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is what we need. 
because oftentimes, I mean, people can, you may start out, day is going great, and all of a sudden somebody does something to you, it bothers your spirit. You might be upset for a good hour, or some of us, <laughs> for the rest of the day, and tomorrow too. <laughs> so we need him to renew a right spirit. Get us back to the place where we're no longer sinning. In one place he said, be angry and sin, excuse me, be angry and sin not. So we need to get to the place where even if I get upset with Melvin, I don't need to say, oh, I hope something happened to Melvin. <laughs> Man, oh, <laughs> that is us though. That is us. We need God to create a clean heart. God looks at the heart. Don't let's connect the scriptures. Man looks at the outward appearance. He said, look not on the countenance, which is none but the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So if God looks at the heart, David said, look, I need to, I know God is going to judge based on my heart. So I need God to create a new heart in me, a clean heart, one that will not offend him, one that one that does not sin against him. Uh, in one place he said, thy word have I hid in my heart. I buried it in here so I may not sin against thee. He said, I love God so much, I don't even want to sin against him. You have people today, <laughs> uh, the devil got us to see. You got people today say, oh, well, if you don't sin, then Jesus died for nothing. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus died and you on your way to dying too in everlasting fire with that mentality. God is looking for a change in us. He is looking for a change in us. He's looking for somebody out there that says, I know my heart ain't right. I know it's not. I know it's not. He's looking for that willing person to accept him for who he is, to accept his word and say, I want God to change me. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He, he, he called for a change. And not repent just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry ain't no true repentance. Uh, there's so many deceptions out here today. But the, saying I'm sorry is not a true repentance. I use a bunch of scenarios sometimes. I feel like I use the same ones. But if I were to hit Melvin now, make the man's mouth bleed, and say, oh, I'm sorry, Melvin. Man, <laughs> Melvin won't be trying to hear that. He said, but he might say, okay, well, okay, I accept your apology. And I give him a minute, wipe his mouth off, I hit him again. <laughs> Just after the man put the paper towel down, I hit the man again. <laughs> now, you tell me for yourself, is that a true repentance? <laughs> I know ain't nobody crazy out here. You tell me for yourself. Y'all know that's not true repentance. So let's stop saying, oh, I'm going to just say I'm sorry. That's repent right there. No, God is asking for a change in us, a new heart. Because if that truly bothered my heart, me doing him like that, I would say, okay, I'm not going to do that to you again. I'm going to try my best. I don't care how angry I get. I don't care what you do. I'm going to try my best to not do that to you again because that's love. That's what love is. That's compassion. 
doing something, not just talking, not just saying, oh, I love you, Melvin. No, it's I'm going to work to not do what I did to you previously. That hurt you. And that's what we do against God. God, sin bothers God. God hates sin. And we just do it all the time and say, well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Yes, he knows. When will you see that God is calling for more? He's calling for a change. We have to change if we want to get to the level that God is asking us for. Look at um, if anybody does any deep studying on the 12 apostles, uh, even take Peter. Now, we know Peter, he denied Jesus three times. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have not read that Peter, after they asked him again, that man went to cursing. He went to saying all kind of stuff, lying, saying, I don't know Jesus, cursing him out, all kind of stuff. He didn't have a clean heart. But now you pick him up in the book of Acts and tell me did he have a clean heart by then. The man, God created in him a clean heart. He renewed in him a right spirit. So we can't stay at the before Peter. We have to move on to the after Peter. We have to move on and say, well, God, I know what I did wasn't right. I know lies are not right. He said all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. All of them. Every single last one. All murderers. All fornicators. All drunkards. Now, that's book. Now, that's, that's, that's scripture. So don't, don't blame Tony for these words. I'm trying to help us see what God desires from us. Because when we stand before him, it won't be no God, you know my heart stuff. <laughs> It won't be any of that will be accepted. So that's 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 what I wanted to uh, kind of look at is just the love that God wants us to have for our neighbors, not just for our family members, not just for uh, other Americans or other Germans or whatever race or nationality or country you're from or state or city. I mean, good guy. I can recall growing up in a small town of Chula, Mississippi, and we have, I mean, town so small, but you got people from Lakeside, which is where I was from. You got those people wanting to fight people from Gwen. Same town. <laughs> Folks come from the same area, going to the same school, but they say, I'm from Lakeside, and they feel good about themselves. I can definitely. Don't mean a <laughs> single thing. Good God. <laughs> the devil has divided us in so many ways because we have not a clean heart. We have not a clean heart. We tattoo the American flag on our chest, and now we feel as if we're better than the German, the Italian. Whomever it is out there, we say, I'm better than you because my country's better than yours. Pride. One of the three things God hates. He hates pride. But <laughs> we just have, God is looking for whoever out there is serious about him. Whoever out there, because I know everybody's not going to do this. Some people's going to turn this on, and once they hear something they don't like, they're going to turn it off. <laughs> they're going to say, oh, no, I, I don't want to hear that. My heart's right already. See, God knows that's out there, and I know it's out there. I, I'm not going to be blind to that truth.
But to those who will hear God's word, God is looking for a clean heart. Just because you messed up, there is redemption. There is forgiveness. There is love that God is trying to show to us. But he's saying, will you take it? Will you accept his word? Will you be made clean? Will your heart be changed? So that's that's what uh, we're trying to promote, just the love for each other. So um, if no one has any questions, I'm going <laughs> to turn it over to Melvin. Well, I don't really have a big outro or anything planned to say, but I mean... I'm just thinking about that scripture in Revelation. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's the one where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on our doors daily. When are we going to open it? Like a bishop said, he's not going to break in and steal the TV. He's not going to break in. He's not going to force his way in. He's not going to force us to do anything that we don't want to do. Because the scripture in First John Four and seven, I believe it says, God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. Mm-hmm. Love is of God. If we, if we don't love, then we are not of God. Mm-hmm. And love does not force anything. If we have to force anything, it is not love. We have to force somebody to be in a relationship with us. It's going to be miserable because that's not real. So he's standing on the door, and he's not going to break in. He's not going to force entry, anything like that. And like Paul said, it's about time that we wake up out of our sleep. It's about time that we wake up and let Jesus into our lives. In another place he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that Jesus could come back at any time. Mm-hmm. And that was 2,000 something years ago. So how much more serious is it now? If Paul felt like back in those days that Jesus could come back at any time, how much more serious is it now? We're getting closer and closer. So I just want to challenge. We're not really challenge people, but it's about time that we give our lives over to Christ. It's about time. God wants everybody saved, but he knows the majority of us will not be saved. But that, that's not everybody. A few people will be saved. A few people will make it. Now, will you be one of the few? And... Let me reiterate, um, it's not just a public confession that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That is a big deception that many people believe, and that's what's being taught today because the devil has so many people um, deceived. And for the people that don't know, the, the devil is the God of this world, and he has so many people blinded into believing that you're saved by just repeating after the preacher and say. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he is my personal Lord and Savior. A lot of people get that and especially from uh, in the books from Romans all the way into Revelation. If somebody tries to prove their salvation from any of those books, is just being real is not right. Because those churches, Paul wrote to the majority of those churches because they were already saved. And they had gone off track, so Paul had to get them back right. But they all had to do exactly what the people in Acts have to do, had to do. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, 
when when Peter told them that, hey, you just killed Jesus, the same Jesus that God has made, and they were pricked in their hearts, they asked him, what should we do? What do we need to do to right this wrong? And Peter, along with the rest of the apostles, were in agreement when he said, when Peter said, repent. Now, let me talk about repent. Like Tony said, if he hit me in my mouth and say, I'm sorry, and then hit me again, he, he's not really sorry. But that's the exact same thing we do to Jesus. Like, man, it, it's just crazy. Like, we cannot live one way on Sunday and then another way on the other six days. That's not going to be accepted. So he says, repent, make a change, go and sin no more. People bring up that scripture all the time where Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. But they always stop right there. What did he say next? He said, go and sin no more. I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't keep that one. They don't continue that scripture. So uh, repent, make a change, say I'm sorry. We're all going to slip up sometimes because we're human. But I mean, it's a difference between slipping up every now and then and planning to sin. Like, man, Friday, oh, man, it's my birthday. I'm going to go turn up. Like, we know that drunkards will not get into heaven. And that's a planned sin. It's the difference between slipping up every now and then and having it planned. So repent, make a change. And then the next part, be baptized in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Now Peter said that and all of the apostles were in agreement with him. In Jesus' name, repent. And that's fully submerged under the water. It's not sprinkling. Or anything else anybody else says. Because we see every time somebody was baptized, they were baptized in Jesus' name. And they were fully submerged under the water. You know, we fight that Jesus' name. We do everything in Jesus' name except baptize. I, I don't get it. That we can't baptize. Anymore. A lot of people say, and I don't want to get too much into it. And I don't want to be just rambling on. But people, um, the majority of people get baptized literally in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And they get that from Matthew 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew wrote that. Jesus did not write a single word, but Matthew wrote that. So a lot of people say, well, I'd rather trust the red letters over the black letters or the white letters. Notice when they asked Peter, what should they do to right this wrong? They said they were talking to Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Matthew was there too. Matthew was there. Was so there Matthew too. was there in agreement with Peter when he said, get baptized in Jesus' name. Because if you look at it in the name of the Father, like name is singular right there. Name of the Father, Jesus. Name of the Son, Jesus. Name of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Not literally saying in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Well, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't really matter what they say. Every time somebody has gotten baptized in the Bible, it was in the name of the G it was in the name of Jesus. Every time. Every time it was they were fully submerged in water. And what else to say? Um, and now you have to get the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Ghost is referred to as the comforter in some places in the Bible. It lets you know what you're doing is wrong. See, a lot of us sin daily and we we don't feel bad about it. Because we don't have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to be there. And it's going to let you know. Whenever you do sin, you're, you're going to feel bad about it. But that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to get you on. It's supposed to get you right. It's supposed to correct you. So that's what we have to do. All of those churches, Ephesus, 
Corinth, Thessalonians, all of them, they had to get baptized in Jesus' name and get the Holy Ghost. It's not just a public confession of that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. It's not that. If that's all we had to do, then why do we have this big old gigantic book on what we need to do? All we would need is two words that says, I believe. We know that we have to love God. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, keep keep my commandments. We have to do what he said do. Another place he says, why call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do what I said. If you're not going to do the things in which I say. So, to reiterate, it's just time to wake up out of our sleep. It's time to start taking the Bible seriously. And that's all I really had to have to say. Like, I'm glad that whoever listens, listens. Like, the things that used to excite me, that don't really excite me anymore. Like, my whole mindset has changed. What really gets exciting to me is when people actually want to sit down and learn about what God has to say. And not just ask questions out of pity or, like, um, just trying to, yeah, out of spite. Like, the... The um, Jew was trying to ask Jesus, what what do I have to do to um, gain eternal life? He was trying to ask that out of spite, trying to get smart with Jesus. Like, I don't even get into all of that because it's not going to end well for either one of us if we're just trying to sit here and argue and we're not trying to actually look at Scripture and see what God says do. Because in, no, in one place it says, avoid foolish questions. And again... I just want everybody to just turn their life over to Christ. And such amazing things happen. Like the things that everybody, like everybody has something that bothers them. Everybody mm-hmm. has something they need to work on. Like the things that used to bother me. I used to get mad at the dumbest stuff. Just to, just to be honest. <laughs> the dumbest things. But now I laugh at them. Because when you have the Holy Ghost, you get power. We error not knowing the scripture and not knowing the power of God. We have his spirit dwelling in us because we cannot get over our sin on our own, whether it's fornication, whether it's lusting, whether it's drinking, cursing, all of that. We cannot get over that on our own. We need God's help. See, a lot of us like to do things on our own, totally by ourselves. Like, I don't need, I don't need that. I don't need to hear no preacher. I'm good. I got my own gospel. <laughs> what? What is that? Like, nope. <laughs> But I just wanted to say that. No, I'm really done now. You got anything else? Uh, I always got something, but I think I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I, I will say one thing. I was – now, I pray that God has someone out there who's serious, who wants to truly understand scriptures. We go to church today just to jump, shout, and go home and we ain't got nothing but soreness. We ain't we ain't did nothing but got tired and sweaty. At what point do we truly want to learn what the scriptures mean though? That's what this is about. To to understand what the book actually means, not what I think or what Melvin thinks or what you think, what it means cuz God God isn't concerned with what I think. It's about what he meant when he had it written. So that that's what we want to do. I, I urge us to truly look at scriptures, to check our salvation. Uh, one place Paul said we must work out our own salvation. We got to go back and make sure we're saved. Because if you die tonight, because people leaving here every second, somebody just died every second, somebody's leaving here. If you die tonight, you don't want to hear, depart from me. 
We don't want to hear that. But I urge you, go back again, check out your salvation. See if what your beloved preacher tells you, what even I tell you, see if it matches scripture and follow the scripture. Don't follow either of us. Follow the book. So that's all I wanted to say because uh, I could, man, I could talk I could talk for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, we're here. Uh, if anybody has any questions, anybody wants to discuss something, anything you feel we said that wasn't true, reach out. Like, ask us, hey, where you see that at in the Bible? Show me where, because that ain't what I learned. That's what is important. You need to do that for your own sake, for our sakes. We need to check our salvation. So let's just not believe what we were taught growing up or what we're taught at our church. Let's go back to the book. Let's question people. Let's ask people because people ain't talking about no scripture today. We go to work and ask what happened to Lulu last weekend, but... Lulu ain't never asked what happened in the Bible. <laughs> mm -hmm. But People Lulu look at you crazy when you say, "Lady, let's talk about the Bible." Let's, but, let's. <laughs> but Lulu says she's going to heaven. Let let's let's be serious about this. Let's try to see what really is meant by the scripture. So I thank you guys again for joining us. I thank you guys for bearing with us, and I pray that we've said something to encourage you, to help you, to strengthen you to uh, continue, continue you on this journey uh, to obtain everlasting life. So thank you guys so much uh, for spending some time with us and to all you who will uh, even watch this video after it's posted. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next Thursday, same time.